0: Letter four of Red Gauntlet by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Letter four, the same to the same. Shepherd's Bush. I mentioned in my last that having abandoned my fishing-rod as an unprofitable implement i crossed over the open downs which divided me from the margin of the solway when i reached the banks of the great estuary which are here very bare and exposed the waters had receded from the large and level space of sand through which a stream now feeble and fordable found its way to the ocean the whole was illuminated by the beams of the low and setting sun who showed his ruddy front like a warrior prepared for defence over a huge battlemented and turreted wall of crimson and black clouds which appeared like an immense gothic fortress into which the lord of day was descending his setting-rays glimmered bright upon the wet surface of the sands and the numberless pools of water by which it was covered where the inequality of the ground had occasioned their being left by the tide the scene was animated by the exertions of a number of horsemen who were actually employed in hunting salmon ay allan lift up your hands and eyes as you will i can give their mode of fishing no name so appropriate for they chased the fish at full gallop and struck them with their barbed spears as you see hunters spearing boars in the old tapestry the salmon to be sure take the thing more quietly than the boars but they are so swift in their own element that to pursue and strike them is the task of a good horseman with a quick eye a determined hand and full command of both his horse and weapon the shouts of the fellows as they galloped up and down in the animating exercise their loud bursts of laughter when any of their number caught a fall and still louder acclamations when any of the party made a capital stroke with his lance gave so much animation to the whole scene that i caught the enthusiasm of the sport and ventured forward a considerable space on the sands the feats of one horseman in particular called forth so repeatedly the clamorous applause of his companions that the very banks rang again with their shouts he was a tall man well mounted on a strong black horse which he caused to turn and wind like a bird in the air carried a longer spear than the others and wore a sort of fur cap or bonnet with a short feather in it which gave him on the whole a rather superior appearance to the other fishermen he seemed to hold some sort of authority among them and occasionally directed their motions both by voice and hand at which times i thought his gestures were striking and his voice uncommonly sonorous and commanding the riders began to make for the shore and the interest of the scene was almost over while i lingered on the sands with my looks turned to the shores of england still gilded by the sun's last rays and as it seemed scarcely distant a mile from me the anxious thoughts which haunt me began to muster in my bosom and my feet slowly and insensibly approached the river which divided me from the forbidden precincts though without any formed intention when my steps were arrested by the sound of a horse galloping and as i turned the rider the same fisherman whom i had formerly distinguished called out to me in an abrupt manner so ho brother you are too late for Bowness to-night the tide will make presently i turned my head and looked at him without answering for to my thinking his sudden appearance or rather i should say his unexpected approach had amiss the gathering shadows and lingering light something in it which was wild and ominous are you deaf he added or are you mad or have you a mind for the next world i am a stranger i answered and had no other purpose than looking on at the fishing i am about to return to the side i came from best make haste then said he he that dreams on the bed of the solway may wake in the next world the sky threatens a blast that will bring in the waves three feet abreast so saying he turned his horse and rode off while i began to walk back towards the scottish shore a little alarmed at what i had heard for the tide advances with such rapidity upon these fatal sands that well-mounted horsemen lay aside hopes of safety if they see its white surge advancing while they are yet at a distance from the bank these recollections grew more agitating and instead of walking deliberately i began a race as fast as i could feeling or thinking i felt each pool of salt water through which i splashed grow deeper and deeper at length the surface of the sand did seem considerably more intersected with pools and channels full of water either that the tide was really beginning to influence the bed of the estuary or as i must own is equally probable that i had in the hurry and confusion of my retreat involved myself in difficulties which i had avoided in my more deliberate advance either way it was rather an unpromising state of affairs for the sands at the same time turned softer and my footsteps so soon as i had passed were instantly filled with water i began to have odd recollections concerning the snugness of your father's parlour and the secure footing afforded by the pavement of brown square and scott's Close. when my better genius the tall fisherman appeared once more close to my side he and his sable horse looming gigantic in the now darkening twilight are you mad he said in the same deep tone which had before thrilled on my ear or are you weary of your life you will be presently amongst the quicksands i professed my ignorance of the way to which he only replied there is no time for pratting get up behind me he probably expected me to spring from the ground with the activity which these borderers have by constant practice acquired in everything relating to horsemanship but as i stood irresolute he extended his hand and grasping mine bid me place my foot on the toe of his boot and thus raised me in a trice to the croup of his horse i was scarcely securely seated ere he shook the reins of his horse who instantly sprang forward but annoyed doubtless by the unusual burden treated us to two or three bounds accompanied by as many flourishes of his hind heels the rider sat like a tower notwithstanding that the unexpected plunging of the animal threw me forward upon him the horse was soon compelled to submit to the discipline of the spur and bridle and went off at a steady hand-gallop thus shortening the devious for it was by no means a direct path by which the rider avoiding the loose quicksands made for the northern bank my friend perhaps i may call him my preserver for to a stranger my situation was fraught with real danger continued to press on at the same speedy pace but in perfect silence and i was under too much anxiety of mind to disturb him with any questions at length we arrived at a part of the shore with which i was utterly unacquainted when i alighted and began to return in the best fashion i could my thanks for the important service which he had just rendered me the stranger only replied by an impatient shah and was about to ride off and leave me to my own resources when i implored him to complete his work of kindness by directing me to shepherd's bush which was as i informed him my home for the present to shepherd's bush he said it is but three miles but if you know not the land better than the sand you may break your neck before you get there for it is no road for a moping boy in a dark night and besides there are the brook and the fens to cross i was a little dismayed at this communication of such difficulties as my habits had not called on me to contend with once more the idea of thy father's fireside came across me and i could have been well contented to have swapped the romance of my situation together with the glorious independence of control which i possessed at the moment for the comforts of that chimney-corner though i were obliged to keep my eyes chained to erskine's larger institutes i asked my new friend whether he could not direct me to any house of public entertainment for the night and supposing it probable he was himself a poor man i added with the conscious dignity of a well-filled pocket-book that i could make it worth any man's while to oblige me the fisherman making no answer i turned away from him with as gallant an appearance of indifference as i could command and began to take as i thought the path which he had pointed out to me his deep voice immediately sounded after me to recall me stay young man stay you have mistaken the road already i wonder your friends sent out such an inconsiderate youth without some one wiser than himself to take care of him perhaps they might not have done so said i if i had any friends who cared about the matter well sir he said it is not my custom to open my house to strangers but your pinch is like to be a smart one for besides the risk from bad roads fords and broken ground and the night which looks both black and gloomy there is bad company on the road sometimes at least it has a bad name and some have come to harm so that i think i must for once make my rule give way to your necessity and give you a night's lodging in my cottage why was it allan that i could not help giving an involuntary shudder at receiving an invitation so seasonable in itself and so suitable to my naturally inquisitive disposition i easily suppressed this untimely sensation and as i returned thanks and expressed my hope that i should not disarrange his family i once more dropped a hint of my desire to make compensation for any trouble i might occasion the man answered very coldly your presence will no doubt give me trouble sir but it is of a kind which your purse cannot compensate in a word although i am content to receive you as my guest i am no publican to call a reckoning i begged his pardon and at his instance once more seated myself behind him upon the good horse which went forth steady as before the moon whenever she could penetrate the clouds throwing the huge shadow of the animal with its double burden on the wild and bare ground over which we passed thou mayest laugh till thou lettest the letter fall if thou wilt but it reminded me of the magician atlantis on his hippogriff with a knight trussed up behind him in the manner aristo has depicted that matter thou art i know matter of fact enough to affect contempt of that fascinating and delicious poem but think not that to conform with thy bad taste i shall forbear any suitable illustration which now or hereafter may occur to me on we went the sky blackening around us and the wind beginning to pipe such a wild and melancholy tune as best suited the hollow sounds of the advancing tide which i could hear at a distance like the roar of some immense monster defrauded of its prey at length our course was crossed by a deep dell or dingle such as they call in some parts of scotland a den and in others a cloche or narrow glen it seemed by the broken glances which the moon continued to throw upon it to be steep precipitous and full of trees which are generally speaking rather scarce upon these shores the descent by which we plunged into this dell was both steep and rugged with two or three abrupt turnings but neither danger nor darkness impeded the motion of the black horse who seemed rather to slide upon his haunches than to gallop down the pass throwing me again on the shoulders of the athletic rider who sustaining no inconvenience by the circumstance continued to press the horse forward with his heel steadily supporting him at the same time by raising his bridle-hand until we stood in safety at the bottom of the steep not a little to my consolation as friend allan thou mayest easily conceive a very short advance up the glen the bottom of which we had attained by this ugly descent brought us in front of two or three cottages one of which another blink of moonshine enabled me to rate as rather better than those of the scottish peasantry in this part of the world for the sashes seemed glazed and there were what are called storm-windows in the roof giving symptoms of the magnificence of a second story the scene around was very interesting for the cottages and the yards or crofts annexed to them occupied a hof or helm of two acres which a brook of some consequence to judge from its roar had left upon one side of the little glen while finding its course close to the farther bank and which appeared to be covered and darkened with trees while the level space beneath enjoyed such stormy smiles as the moon had that night to bestow i had little time for observation for my companion's loud whistle seconded by an equally loud halloo speedily brought to the door of the principal cottage a man and a woman together with two large newfoundland dogs the deep baying of which i had for some time heard a yelping terrier or two which had joined the concert were silent at the presence of my conductor and began to whine jump up and fawn upon him the female drew back when she beheld a stranger the man who had a lighted lantern advanced and without any observation received the horse from my host and led him doubtless to stable while i followed my conductor into the house when we had passed the hallen the partition which divides a scottish cottage we entered a well-sized apartment with a clean brick floor where a fire blazed much to my contentment in the ordinary projecting sort of a chimney common in scottish houses there were stone seats within the chimney and ordinary utensils mixed with fishing spears nets and similar implements of sport were hung around the walls of the place the female who had first appeared at the door had now retreated into a side apartment she was presently followed by my guide after he had silently motioned me to a seat and their place was supplied by an elderly woman in a grey stuff gown with a check apron and toy obviously a menial though neater in her dress than is usual in her apparent rank an advantage which was counterbalanced by a very forbidding aspect but the most singular part of her attire in this very protestant country was a rosary in which the smaller beads were black oak and those indicating the paternoster of silver with a crucifix of the same metal this person made preparations for supper by spreading a clean though coarse cloth over a large oaken table placing trenchers and salt upon it and arranging the fire to receive a gridiron i observed her motions in silence for she took no sort of notice of me and as her looks were singularly forbidding i felt no disposition to commence conversation when this duenna had made all preliminary arrangements she took from the well-filled pouch of my conductor which he had hung up by the door one or two salmon or grilsus as the smaller sort are termed and selecting that which seemed best and in highest season began to cut it into slices and to prepare a grillade the savoury smell of which affected me so powerfully that i began sincerely to hope that no delay would intervene between the platter and the lip as this thought came across me the man who had conducted the horse to the stable entered the apartment and discovered to me a countenance yet more uninviting than that of the old crony who was performing with such dexterity, the office of cook to the party. He was perhaps sixty years old, yet his brow was not much furrowed, and his jet-black hair was only grizzled, not whitened, by the advance of age. All his motions spoke strength unabated, and, though rather undersized, he had very broad shoulders, was square-made, thin-flanked, and apparently combined in his frame muscular strength and activity the last somewhat impaired perhaps by years but the first remaining in full vigor a hard and harsh countenance eyes far sunk under projecting eyebrows which were grizzled like his hair a wide mouth furnished from ear to ear with its range of unimpaired teeth of uncommon whiteness and a size and breadth which might have become the jaws of an ogre completed this delightful portrait he was clad like a fisherman in jacket and trousers of the blue cloth commonly used by seamen and had a dutch case-knife like that of a hamburg skipper stuck into a broad buff belt which seemed as if it might occasionally sustain weapons of a description still less equivocally calculated for violence this man gave me an inquisitive and as i thought a sinister look upon entering the apartment but without any further notice of me took up the office of arranging the table which the old lady had abandoned for that of cooking the fish, and, with more address than I expected from a person of his coarse appearance, placed two chairs at the head of the table and two stools below, accommodating each seat to a cover, besides which he placed an allowance of barley bread and a small jug, which he replenished with ale from a large black jack three of these jugs were of ordinary earthenware but the fourth which he placed by the right-hand cover at the upper end of the table was a flagon of silver and displayed armorial bearings besides this flagon he placed a salt-cellar of silver handsomely wrought containing salt of exquisite whiteness with pepper and other spices a sliced lemon was also presented on a small silver salver. the two large water dogs who seemed perfectly to understand the nature of the preparations seated themselves one on each side of the table to be ready to receive their portion of the entertainment i never saw finer animals or which seemed to be more influenced by a sense of decorum excepting that they slobbered a little as the rich scent from the chimney was wafted past their noses the small dogs ensconced themselves beneath the table i am aware that i am dwelling upon trivial and ordinary circumstances and that perhaps i may weary out your patience in doing so but conceive me alone in this strange place which seemed from the universal silence to be the very temple of harpocrates remember that this is my first excursion from home forget not that the manner in which i had been brought hither had the dignity of danger and something the air of an adventure and that there was a mysterious incongruity in all i had hitherto witnessed and you will not i think be surprised that these circumstances though trifling should force themselves on my notice at the time and dwell in my memory afterwards that a fisher who pursued this sport perhaps for his amusement as well as profit should be well mounted and better lodged than the lower class of peasantry had in it nothing surprising but there was something about all that i saw which seemed to intimate that i was rather in the abode of a decayed gentleman who clung to a few of the forms and observances of former rank than in that of a common peasant raised above his fellows by comparative opulence besides the articles of plate which i have already noticed the old man now lighted and placed on the table a silver lamp or cruzi as the scottish term it, filled with very pure oil which in burning diffused an aromatic fragrance and gave me a more perfect view of the cottage walls which i had hitherto only seen dimly by the light of the fire the bink the frame of wooden shelves placed in a scottish kitchen for holding plates with its usual arrangement of pewter and earthenware which was most strictly and critically clean glanced back the flame of the lamp merrily from one side of the apartment in a recess formed by the small bow of a latticed window was a large writing-desk of walnut-tree wood curiously carved above which arose shelves of the same which supported a few books and papers the opposite side of the recess contained as far as i could discern for it lay in shadow and i could at any rate have seen it but imperfectly from the place where i was seated one or two guns together with swords pistols and other arms a collection which in a poor cottage and in a country so peaceful appeared singular at least if not even somewhat suspicious all these observations you may suppose were made much sooner than i have recorded or you if you have not skipped have been able to read them they were already finished and i was considering how i should open some communication with the mute inhabitants of the mansion when my conductor re-entered from the side door by which he had made his exit he had now thrown off his rough riding-cap and his coarse jockey-coat and stood before me in a grey jerkin trimmed with black which sat close to and set off his large and sinewy frame and a pair of trousers of a lighter colour cut as close to the body as they are used by highland men his whole dress was of finer cloth than that of the old man and his linen so minute was my observation clean and unsullied his shirt was without ruffles and tied at the collar with a black ribbon which showed his strong and muscular neck rising from it like that of an ancient hercules his head was small with a large forehead and well-formed ears he wore neither peruke nor hair-powder and his chestnut locks curling close to his head like those of an antique statue, showed not the least touch of time, though the owner must have been at least fifty. His features were high and prominent in such a degree that one knew not whether to term them harsh or handsome. In either case the sparkling gray eye, aquiline nose, and well-formed mouth, combined to render his physiognomy noble and expressive an air of sadness or severity or of both seemed to indicate a melancholy and at the same time a haughty temper i could not help running mentally over the ancient heroes to whom i might assimilate the noble form and countenance before me he was too young and evinced too little resignation to his fate to resemble belisarius coriolanus standing by the hearth of tullus aphidius came nearer the mark yet the gloomy and haughty look of the stranger had perhaps still more of marius seated among the ruins of carthage while i was lost in these imaginations my host stood by the fire gazing on me with the same attention which i paid to him until embarrassed by his look i was about to break silence at all hazards but the supper now placed upon the table reminded me by its appearance of those wants which i had almost forgotten while i was gazing on the fine form of my conductor he spoke at length and i almost started at the deep rich tone of his voice though what he said was but to invite me to sit down to the table he himself assumed the seat of honour beside which the silver flagon was placed and beckoned to me to sit down beside him thou knowest thy father's strict and excellent domestic discipline has trained me to bear the invocation of a blessing before we break the daily bread for which we are taught to pray i paused a moment and without designing to do so i suppose my manner made him sensible of what i expected the two domestics or inferiors as i should have before observed were already seated at the bottom of the table when my host shot a glance of a very peculiar expression towards the old man observing with something approaching to a sneer crystal nixon say grace the gentleman expects one the foul fiend shall be clerk and say amen when i turn chaplain growled out the party addressed in tones which might have become the condition of a dying bear if the gentleman is a whig he may please himself with his own mummery my faith is neither in word nor writ but in barley-bread and brown ale mabel moffat said my guide looking at the old woman and raising his sonorous voice probably because she was hard of hearing canst thou ask a blessing upon our victuals the old woman shook her head kissed the cross which hung from her rosary and was silent mabel will say grace for no heretic said the master of the house with the same latent sneer on his brow and in his accent at the same moment the side-door already mentioned opened and the young woman so she proved whom i had first seen at the door of the cottage advanced a little way into the room then stopped bashfully as if she had observed that i was looking at her and asked the master of the house if he had called not louder than to make old mabel hear me he replied and yet he added as she turned to retire it is a shame a stranger should see a house where not one of the family can or will say a grace do thou be our chaplain the girl who was really pretty came forward with timid modesty and apparently unconscious that she was doing something uncommon pronounced the benediction in a silver-toned voice and with affecting simplicity her cheek colouring just so much as to show that on a less solemn occasion she would have felt more embarrassed now if thou expectest a fine description of this young woman allan fairford in order to entitle thee to taunt me with having found a dulcinea in the inhabitant of a fisherman's cottage on the sulway firth thou shalt be disappointed for having said she seemed very pretty and that she was a sweet and gentle-speaking creature i have said all concerning her that i can tell thee she vanished when the benediction was spoken my host with a muttered remark on the cold of our ride and the keen air of the solway sands to which he did not seem to wish an answer loaded my plate from mabel's grillade which with a large wooden bowl of potatoes formed our whole meal a sprinkling from the lemon gave a much higher zest than the usual condiment of vinegar and i promise you that whatever i might hitherto have felt either of curiosity or suspicion did not prevent me from making a most excellent supper during which little passed betwixt me and my entertainer unless that he did the usual honours of the table with courtesy indeed but without even the affectation of hearty hospitality which those in his apparent condition generally affect on such occasions even when they do not actually feel it on the contrary his manner seemed that of a polished landlord towards an unexpected and unwelcome guest whom for the sake of his own credit he receives with civility but without either good-will or cheerfulness if you ask how i learned all this i cannot tell you nor were i to write down at length the insignificant intercourse which took place between us would it perhaps serve to justify these observations it is sufficient to say that in helping his dogs which he did from time to time with great liberality he seemed to discharge a duty much more pleasing to himself than when he paid the same attention to his guest upon the whole the result on my mind was as i tell it you when supper was over a small case-bottle of brandy in a curious frame of silver filigree circulated to the guests i had already taken a small glass of the liquor and when it had passed to mabel and to crystal and was again returned to the upper end of the table i could not help taking the bottle in my hand to look more at the armorial bearings which were chased with considerable taste on the silver framework encountering the eye of my entertainer i instantly saw that my curiosity was highly distasteful he frowned bit his lip and showed such uncontrollable signs of impatience that setting the bottle immediately down i attempted some apology to this he did not deign either to reply or even to listen and crystal at a signal from his master removed the object of my curiosity as well as the cup upon which the same arms were engraved then ensued an awkward pause which i endeavoured to break by observing that i feared my intrusion upon his hospitality had put his family to some inconvenience i hope you see no appearance of it sir he replied with cold civility what inconvenience of family so retired as ours May suffer from receiving an unexpected guest is like to be trifling in comparison of what the visitor himself sustains from want of his accustomed comforts so far therefore as our connection stands our accounts stand clear notwithstanding this discouraging reply i blundered on as is usual in such cases wishing to appear civil and being perhaps in reality the very reverse i was afraid i said that my presence had banished one of the family looking at the side-door from his table if he coldly replied i meant the young woman whom i had seen in the apartment he bid me observe that there was room enough at the table for her to have seated herself and meat enough such as it was for her supper i might therefore be assured if she had chosen it she would have supped with us there was no dwelling on this or any other topic longer for my entertainer taking up the lamp observed that my wet clothes might reconcile me for the night to their custom of keeping early hours that he was under the necessity of going abroad by peep of day to-morrow morning and would call me up at the same time to point out the way by which i was to return to the shepherd's bush this left no opening for further explanation nor was there room for it on the usual terms of civility for as he neither asked my name nor expressed the least interest concerning my condition i the obliged person had no pretence to trouble him with such inquiries on my part he took up the lamp and led me through the side door into a very small room where a bed had been hastily arranged for my accommodation and putting down the lamp directed me to leave my wet clothes on the outside of the door that they might be exposed to the fire during the night he then left me having muttered something which was meant to pass for good-night i obeyed his directions with respect to my clothes the rather that in despite of the spirits which i had drunk i felt my teeth begin to chatter and received various hints from an augish feeling that a town-bred youth like myself could not at once rush into all the hardihood of country sports with impunity but my bed though coarse and hard was dry and clean and i soon was so little occupied with my heats and tremors as to listen with interest to a heavy foot which seemed to be that of my landlord traversing the boards there was no ceiling as you may believe which roofed my apartment light glancing through these rude planks became visible as soon as my lamp was extinguished and as the noise of the slow solemn and regular step continued and i could distinguish that the person turned and returned as he reached the end of the apartment it seemed to me that the walker was engaged in no domestic occupation but merely pacing to and fro for his own pleasure an odd amusement this i thought for one who had been engaged at least a part of the preceding day in violent exercise and who talked of rising by the peep of dawn on the ensuing morning meantime i heard the storm which had been brewing during the evening begin to descend with a vengeance sounds as of distant thunder the noise of the more distant waves doubtless on the shore mingled with the roaring of the neighboring torrent and with the crashing groaning and even screaming of the trees in the glen whose boughs were tormented by the gale within the house windows clattered and doors clapped and the walls though sufficiently substantial for a building of the kind seemed to me to totter in the tempest but still the heavy steps perambulating the apartment over my head were distinctly heard amid the roar and fury of the elements i thought more than once i even heard a groan but i frankly own that placed in this unusual situation my fancy may have misled me i was tempted several times to call aloud and ask whether the turmoil around us did not threaten danger to the building which we inhabited but when i thought of the secluded and unsocial master of the dwelling who seemed to avoid human society and to remain unperturbed amid the elemental war it seemed that to speak to him at that moment would have been to address the spirit of the tempest himself since no other being i thought could have remained calm and tranquil while winds and waters were thus raging around in process of time fatigue prevailed over anxiety and curiosity the storm abated or my senses became deadened to its terrors and i fell asleep ere yet the mysterious paces of my host had ceased to shake the flooring over my head it might have been expected that the novelty of my situation although it did not prevent my slumbers would have at least diminished their profoundness and shortened their duration it proved otherwise however for i never slept more soundly in my life and only awoke when at morning dawn my landlord shook me by the shoulder and dispelled some dream of which fortunately for you i have no recollection otherwise you would have been favoured with it in hopes you might have proved a second daniel upon the occasion you sleep sound said his full deep voice ere five years have rolled over your head your slumbers will be lighter unless ere then you are wrapped in the sleep which is never broken how said i starting up in the bed do you know anything of me of my prospects of my views in life nothing he answered with a grim smile but it is evident you are entering upon the world young inexperienced and full of hopes and i do but prophesy to you what i would to any one in your condition but come there lie your clothes a brown crust and a draught of milk wait you if you choose to break your fast but you must make haste i must first i said take the freedom to spend a few minutes alone before beginning the ordinary works of the day oh umph i cry your devotion's pardon he replied and left the apartment allan there is something terrible about this man i joined him as i had promised in the kitchen where we had supped overnight where i found the articles which he had offered me for breakfast without butter or any other addition he walked up and down while i partook of the bread and milk and the slow measured weighty step seemed identified with those which i had heard last night his pace from its funereal slowness seemed to keep time with some current of internal passion dark slow and unchanged we run and leap by the side of a lively and bubbling brook thought i internally as if we would run a race with it but beside waters deep slow and lonely our pace is sullen and silent as their course what thoughts may be now corresponding with that furrowed brow and bearing time with that heavy step if you have finished said he looking up to me with a glance of impatience as he observed that i ate no longer but remained with my eyes fixed upon him i wait to show you the way we went out together no individual of the family having been visible excepting my landlord i was disappointed of the opportunity which i watched for of giving some gratuity to the domestics as they seemed to be as for offering any recompense to the master of the household it seemed to me impossible to have attempted it what would i have given for a share of thy composure who wouldst have thrust half a crown into a man's hand whose necessities seemed to crave it conscious that you did right in making the proffer and not caring sixpence whether you hurt the feelings of him whom you meant to serve i saw thee once give a penny to a man with a long beard who from the dignity of his exterior might have represented solon i had not thy courage and therefore I made no tender to my mysterious host, although, notwithstanding his display of silver utensils, all around the house bespoke narrow circumstances, if not actual poverty. We left the place together, but I hear thee murmur thy very new and appropriate ejaculation. "Oh, he, jam, the rest for another time perhaps i may delay further communication till i learn how my favours are valued end of letter 4